What a blessing to be in God's house. This is better than any jail I know. Say amen. Now, if you have your Bibles, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to James chapter number five. James chapter number five. Uh, Brother Andrew has been teaching through the book of James and, uh, and uh, he's going to be down with the teens tonight. And so I'm going to finish up what he started. Uh, I, I was teasing him and I, I'm, I'm going to tell him, I'm going to tell him, listen, you got it going, but I'm going to fix what you messed up. All right. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Man, he has done a fantastic job. Fantastic job. Last week, and I can't really talk about it, so y'all keep this a secret because I don't want to swell his head up too bad. Amen? You, you, listen, you, 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 sometimes when you brag on somebody too much, it goes their head, and we don't want to do that. But uh, last week, last week's lesson was an incredible lesson. Uh, if you missed last week, if you wasn't here last week, you need to go back on our website and, uh, and, and watch that lesson on making decisions. Life is full of choices and making the right decision. Great, great lesson. All right. Now, tonight we're going to be talking about several groups that are in the church, several uh, different types of people that are in the church. Uh, and every one of these are troubled, troubled. We're, we're going to talk about troubled individuals, troubled groups in the church. Now, the first group may not think they're troubled, but they are troubled. Uh, and we'll, we'll look at them in just a minute. But James is addressing this. James is addressing this. Uh, and we need to understand this world is full of trouble. It's full of trouble. And as long as we're living in this world, we're going to be going through trouble. We're going to go through difficulty. Uh, Job said it better than anybody. Man that is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble, full of trouble, full of sorrow. Uh, uh, Jesus said it. Jesus said it. This world in this world, ye shall have what? Tribulation, tribulation. But thank God. And we'll see this in just a minute. He says, I have overcome the world. Amen. So let's jump right in. Let's jump right in. James chapter number five. If you found your spot, say amen. amen. Now let's look in verse number one. Go to now. Ye writ- now go to now means, hey. See, that's what it meant. Pay attention. It means open your eyes. Hey, 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 this is important. He's, he's trying to get everybody, you know, he's been writing this letter and they read this letter in the churches. And then, you know, sometimes after you've been in the letter for a little while, you go to doze or not. He's wake, hey, wake up, wake up. That's what go to now is. He wants them to make sure and listen. Go to now, pay attention, he says. Ye rich men, weep and howl for your miseries that shall come upon you. Your riches are corrupted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver is cankered and the rust of them shall be a witness against you. Shall eat your flesh as it were fire. Ye have reaped treasure together for the last days. And that word for can be translated in. So in these last days you've heaped up treasure. Behold the hire of the laborers who have reaped down your fields which is of you kept back by fraud. It crieth. The, the, in other words, the, 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 the wages that you have cheated, the people working for you is crying out. The cries of them which have reaped are entered into the ears of the Lord of Sabaoth. Not Sabbath, not Sabbath, but the word is Sabaoth, which means armies, armies, the Lord of the armies. All right. Now, ye have lived in pleasure on the earth and been wanton. Ye have nourished your hearts as in a day of slaughter. Ye have condemned and killed the just, and he doth not resist you. Be patient, therefore, brethren. Now, now he's talking to a different group. Now he's talking to a different group. Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth, and hath long patience for it, until he receive the early and the latter rain. Be ye also patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Somebody say amen right there. Grudge not one against another, brethren, lest ye be condemned. Behold, the judge standeth before the door. Take my brethren, the prophets, who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering, affliction, and patience. Behold, we count them happy which endure. 
Ye have heard of the patience of Job and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and tender mercy. But above all things, my brethren, swear not, neither by heaven, neither by the earth, neither by any other oath, but let your yea be yea and your nay, nay, lest, be, lest ye fall into condemnation. Now that verse is very simple. It just means don't lie. Don't, don't be the type of person when you say something, you got to put an oath to it. In other words, I, I, I swear this is, no, he says, just be, the, be truthful. Say what it is, be truthful, don't lie. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any married? Let him sing psalms. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another. Pray one for another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are. And he prayed earnestly that it might not rain. And it rained not on the earth by the space of three years. Now that's getting hold of the Lord. Amen. And he prayed again and the heaven gave rain and the earth brought forth her fruit. Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth and one convert him, let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the air of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much for a great crowd tonight on a summer night. Lord, they're hungry for your word. They're here to learn. They're here to grow. Uh, Lord, they're here to be discipled. And God, I pray they won't leave disappointed. I believe I have your word. I believe I have what you want me to teach tonight. But Lord, this is your holy word. This is the living word. And Lord, I need your unction. I need your spirit. I need your divine touch to be able to deliver it in such a way that every heart can be opened. Every eye can see. Everyone can understand and comprehend your word. Lord, I pray that your word will not return void tonight. It will accomplish what it's set out to do. God, we'll be careful to give you the glory and the praise. Don't let me say nothing that I'm not supposed to. And Lord, please don't let me forget something I need to say that they need to hear. God, we'll be, we'll be giving you all the credit and all the praise and all the honor. And God, we love you. We thank you. We praise you. We worship you tonight. We're so thankful for our salvation. God, I pray that you'll bless your word. In Jesus' name we all pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. <clears throat> We're looking at, if you'll look at your, your, your notes uh, and look up at the title, uh, look at the title. Uh, the title is Sinner, Saint, Sickly, and Sliding. Sinner, Saint, Sickly, and Sliding. These, these are the different groups that you see uh, here in this particular chapter. Uh, and, and, and he is addressing these. And, and this address is so harsh in the beginning that many scholars had believed that, that, that James was referencing people outside the church, people that were uh, heathens, uh, you know, technically outside the church, without a doubt heathen, but that's not the case. He is addressing the church. He's addressing the church. And now, so what do we learn from that? We learn that everybody in the church ain't converted. I mean, just because they're going to church doesn't mean they are saved and born again. I can stand in the garage, but that don't make me a Corvette. Are y'all with me? Going to church doesn't make you a Christian. Listen, going to church doesn't make you a Christian. Uh, you have to be born again. And there's a lot of people that are religious. There are a lot of people going through the motions. There are a lot of people who profess Christ but they do not possess Christ. And there's a big difference, a big difference. Now, and so the first group that we're going to see is the rich crowd, the rich men. And I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. I, when I was reading this, I'm saying, oh, I know what my people are going to say. That point is not for me. I don't have to worry about point number one because I'm not a rich man or I'm not a rich woman. Now, I hate to disappoint you, I hate to disappoint you, 
But when you put the whole world into consideration, the poorest person sitting in these seats is richer than probably 75% of the whole world. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to apply this to everybody, everybody. The principles that we can learn from this is still true. I don't care what you have in your bank account. Now, obviously, we know that there's some in here that's more well off than the others and, and, and all of that. But the point that we're seeing here is, is not necessarily the portfolio, but what they did do with what God allowed them to have. Are y'all with me? Say amen. And so that's how we're going to look at this. We're going to look at, uh, and I, I, I was going to try to, I was going to try to get all, all four of these groups in tonight and just finish the whole chapter tonight, but there's no way, there's no way we could get all the information we want to get and study it. So we're going to break it up into two parts. Uh, the first two tonight and the second two and the second two is really good, man. I wanted to get that tonight, but man, we're going to get to, uh, uh, praying and, 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 and really intercessory prayer and all of that and backsliders. And it's just going to be good next week. So you don't want to miss next week, but we're going to try to get as much done tonight as we possibly can. So let's, let's just jump right in. Let's jump right into our study and look at your notes. Uh, first of all, first of all, we're going to look at the selfish, the selfish, uh, there were groups of people, there were groups of people that were mingled in the churches, uh, that were false professors. And one of the, one of the, the indications of their false profession is the way they looked at or the way they treated money, the way they treated their money. And now he is addressing this group. And so let's look at how he does that in verse number one, go to now. Ye rich men, weep and howl for your miseries that shall come upon you. Your riches are corrupted. Your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver is cankered. And the rust of them shall be a witness against you. And you shall eat your flesh as it were, or, and shall eat your flesh as it were fire. Ye have heaped treasure together for the last days. Behold, the hire of the laborers who have reaped down your fields, which is of you kept back by fraud. They crieth. In other words, the wages cry. The cries of them which have reaped are entered into the ears of the Lord of Sabaoth. Ye have lived in pleasure on the earth and been wanting in your, you have nourished your hearts as in the day of slaughter. Ye have condemned and killed the just and he doth not resist you. All right. So number one. Let's look at the selfish. First of all, uh, look, look at the acquiring of their wealth. What, what made it sinful? What made it bad? Now, let me, let, me, let me read this while you're writing that word down. The Bible does not discourage the acquiring of wealth. Say amen. amen. I, I, I hear people misquote a, a, a verse, and you're going to know the verse right away. I hear people misquote this verse and they'll say this, that money is the root of all evil. That's not what that says, is it? What does it say? The love of money. The love of money. Money is neutral. Money is neutral. You can use money to buy drugs or you can use money to support an orphan. You, you, can, use, you, can, you can use money to do all kind of wicked things, or you could use money to do all kind of great things. It's like a hammer. You can use a hammer to build a house, or you could use a hammer to bash somebody's skull in. The hammer is neutral. Money is neutral. There's nothing wrong with money. Money's a great thing. Money's a blessed thing. I heard people say money cannot buy happiness, but it sure knocks the edge off of poverty. Say amen. There's nothing wrong with money. Some of the most, uh, the greatest men in the Old Testament were very, very wealthy. You think about Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, all of these men, Solomon, David. So, So make sure you understand that it is not illegal to own something. It is not unspiritual to be wealthy. But here's what you got to understand. In the law of Moses, specific rules are laid down for getting and securing wealth. The Jews in Canaan owned their own property. They worked it. They benefited from the produce. In several of his parables, Jesus indicated his respect for personal property and private gain. What the Bible does condemn 
is the acquiring wealth by illegal means or illegal purposes. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. And so what, what made it wrong for these men that he's addressing? What made it a sin? What made it wicked? It was the way they acquired their wealth. How was that? By held back wages. Verse number four. Look what he says. Behold, the hire of the laborers who have reaped down your fields, which is of you kept back by fraud. So what they had was wicked because of how they got it. How they got it. They was kept back by fraud. Now, wages in that day, wages in that day, this is important to see this really uh, uh, is not in your notes, but just throw this in there for your own, for your own benefit. In that day, it was a very, very, almost, almost probably 95% to hundred percent agriculture society. All right. Everything, there's no industry in that day. As far as that type of thing, everything was agriculture. And so there was always day laborers and God required Whoever owned the field, whoever owned the crops, they were hiring the people that you were supposed to pay them at the end of the day, every day, at the end of the day, every day. And because that most of them were utterly in poverty and that is how they kept a roof over their head and food in their stomach, they would work that day for the money they needed to buy the food they needed for that day. Are y'all with me? Say amen. And he said, you're going and you're defrauding people. You're cheating people out of their labor. You're cheating people out of their wages. You're holding back. You're not doing right. You're making your wealth on the back of the people you're supposed to be blessing. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. So they held back wages. Not only that, but they manipulated the courts. They manipulated the courts. Verse number six. Ye have condemned and killed the just, and he doth not resist you. This is in reference to the court system. In other words, why does he not resist? How many of y'all have ever heard the golden rule? Have you ever heard the golden rule? He who has the gold makes the rules. Mm -hmm. If you don't think... That money doesn't manipulate the system. You're kidding yourself. You're kidding yourself. Listen, in that day, you could be bribed. They bribed the judges. They, listen, they manipulated the system, causing innocent people to be defrauded, innocent people even to die. You say they didn't defend themselves. They couldn't. They didn't have the ability. They didn't have the financial means. They didn't have the resources to be able to defend themselves. And so he is really condemning the way they made their wealth. The way they made their wealth. Now, so we see the acquiring of their wealth in verses 4 and 6. But then B, here's another another devastating accusation. The amassing of their wealth. Write that word down. The amassing of their wealth. I use that word for uh, alliteration purposes, but the word really I I want you to put in your head is hoarding. Hoarding. It says in, in verses number two, your riches are corrupted. Your garments are moth eaten. Your gold and silver is cankered. The rust of them shall be a witness against you and you shall eat your flesh as it were fire. You have heaped that word heaped right there. It's where we get our word from. That word means to, to amass or to hoard, to gather, uh, to stuff. He says, you've heaped treasures together in the last days. Now, keep in mind, keep in mind, this is, this is James, the, 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 the half-brother to Jesus. In that day, they believed that Jesus was just about to come back. That they were in the last, and it is. When, when Jesus died on the cross and the resurrection, that ushered in the last days. We've been in the last days. And what James is saying here is here we are in the last days. Here we are in the last days, and you're hoarding up everything. You're hoarding up everything that you do, everything that you make, everything that you have. You're hoarding it up. You're not using it. You're not 
using it as a steward. And by the way, by the way, if you want to just put this in your brain somewhere too, you don't own anything. You possess something, but you don't own it. Well, moment you get saved, you transfer ownership of everything to the one who gave his life for you. You have been purchased. You are bought with a price. That means he bought everything and everything you have belongs to him. And that makes it so much easier when you realize I'm the possessor of what I have. I'm not the owner of what I have. I am a manager. The word, the the, the King James word is steward, a steward, a manager. It it, it uses the, the illustration of in that day, they would have a main servant over the household. Joseph was that. Y'all remember when Joseph was in Potiphar's house, he was the steward. He was the one responsible for divvying out the funds and buying and selling and using. And he was managing the funds of the owner of the property. He was the steward. He was the manager. God owns it all. You're steward. You're a manager of what God has allowed you to possess. Does that make sense? And what these people were doing was hoarding everything up, hoarding everything up, hoarding everything up. They were not using it. Now, let's go back. There's three things. I don't know if I put this in your notes, but write this down somewhere. Yes, I did. Right there. Uh, Look in verse number two. Your riches, the word riches, are corrupted. Now, the word corrupt in this, this verse means rotted. It means rotted, like a rotted wood. And that's important because in that day, in that day, you got to understand that a lot of the, they used for their money was grain. So there's three things he's, he references here, right? Grain, their garments, and gold. That was, that was wealth in that day. That was used, uh, uh, that was a commodity in that day. That was used as capital in that day. You remember when the, you, you remember when, um, uh, help me. The one that, that, that took the garments in, in Jericho. Uh, when they went into Jericho, he wasn't supposed to Achan, Achan. Y'all remember Achan? He stole the Babylonian garments, right? Because that was a, a form of wealth. That was money. You could sell and use it by trade. Uh, so, uh, parts of the wealth that was referenced as wealth in that day was grain, garments, and gold. Are y'all with me? Say that with me. Now, watch what was happening. Watch what was happening. He said, your grain, let's use that as as wealth here, right? It's what? It's corrupted or it is rotten. It's rotted. In other words, they were piling it up, piling it up, piling it up, piling it up, not using it, not blessing, not helping to the point it started to. So what are you doing? This This is what James is saying. You're just hoarding it up. The gold and, 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 and two things, two things that this could mean in it's cankered. Cankered means to rust. It means to mold or, or here, here's some, some scholars believe in that day, the coins were made out of different alloys that, that would actually rust. But really the point he's trying to make it loses value. It loses value. Something that stays in the closet has no value will lose value if you don't use it. Are y'all with me? And then what happens to the, what's happening to the garments? They're just piling up these garments. What's happening to them? They're getting moth eaten. So what is he saying? You're hoarding. You're hoarding. It's, it's terrible. It's wicked. Listen now, now, now let me say this. Let me say this. There's nothing wrong with saving. Is everybody saying that? There's nothing wrong with saving. Dave Ramsey says, save for a rainy day because, honey, one day it's going to rain. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There, there's nothing wrong with saving. The Bible says that, the, that the, 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 the children shouldn't lay up for the parents, but the parents lay up for the children. So there is a, there is a principle of saving. But the saving is for a purpose. By the way, saving is not so you can feel good about yourself. Saving is not... Is not so you don't have to depend on God. Listen, why are you saying all this, preacher? Because money, money is fluid. It comes 
Are y'all with me? And anything could happen at any time. You, you think about the people that's, uh, that's got all of the uh, things in the stock market. And uh, you looked at your portfolio lately. You may not have had what you did have. That's, that's the point I'm trying to make is, is if you're saving so you feel secure, your security is in the wrong thing. Well, what in the world am I supposed to save for? I'm glad you asked. The Bible clearly says what we're supposed to do with what God allows us to have. He, he entrusts wealth to us. He entrusts blessings to us. Now, what are we supposed to do with it? Well, the first thing, if you look in your notes, I don't think I put blanks here. I just left them there. The first thing you're supposed to do is take care of your family. Take care of your family. Look what it says. In 1 Timothy 5, 8, in 1 Timothy 5, 8, it says, if any man will not provide for his own, he is worse than an, an unbeliever. So what are we? We have a responsibility to take care of our family. It's not the government's responsibility to take care of your family. Children, grown, grown adult children, it's not your parents' responsibility to take care of you. Boy, they got quiet all of a sudden. I've told you this story before. My father, when I called him, I was, I was living in, in the apartment above the clubhouse. It was a penthouse above the clubhouse. I had it made at the golf course. I met Tammy, fell head over heels in love. I mean, it was, it, I, I told her, I said, baby, you believe in love at first sight or do I need to walk by again? I need all the help I could get, amen? Well, man, I, I, just, I was so excited. I called dad. I said, dad, I found the one. And he said, is that right? Y'all know how he is. He'll just suck you right in. He just played me. He, he, oh, man, that's great, son. That's wonderful. And, and, and here we go. But see, the thing is, when I got married, I was going to have to move out of that. I was going to have to move out of that apartment because that's only for single guys that work there. And he said, where are you going to live? I hadn't thought about that. I said, well, we'll probably, we'll probably stay with her mom and dad for a little while. He said, well, then I ain't going to marry you. I said, do what? He said, I ain't going to marry you. I said, why? He said, son, when you say I do, she's your responsibility. And if you're not man enough to have her place to live, you're not man enough to get married. And guess what? He meant it. And he wouldn't do it till I found a place. It was not much. But it was ours, amen. Do I have a witness, Brother Travis? You saw it. Anyway, the point is, we're to take care of our family. Our first responsibility is to take care of our family. Nobody else's. God gave that to us, okay? Then, then the Bible says we're to advance God's kingdom. First Chronicles 29, 3 and Matthew 6, 3. Then we're to use what God blesses us with to win the lost. Luke 16, 9. Luke 16, 9. Then care for the needy. Care for the needy. Galatians 2, 10. And 1 John 3, 16 through 18. We're to remember the poor. Number five, support ministers of the gospel. 1 Corinthians 9, 14 and Galatians 6, 6. Now here's the thing. When you start, when you start saying, okay, am I being a hoarder or am I being a diligent steward? Am I accomplishing these things? Or am I just saving up for the Hawaii trip and for the bigger boat and the bigger house and the bigger car and all of these things? And I'm not accomplishing anything that is listed that God has required me to be a blessing to and to support in that manner. Does that make sense? And so, listen, if you're if you're doing these things, if you are a generous person, if you are blessing others, man, if you can buy the Harley brand new, walk to the dealership and buy the Harley, be a good steward and enjoy the blessings that God puts on you. Are y'all with me? 
I hope you understand that. There, there, there's too many people that fall into one. How many of y'all know there's a ditch on both sides of the road? They either preach it's all, it's all health and wealth and it's all as much as you can get and all that. But then on the other side, there's another ditch that says you're, you're supposed to live in poverty and every dime you make go straight to the mission. No, that's not true. God gives you blessings to enjoy. That's what according to Ecclesiastes. He, God told the nation of Israel, I give you the power to get wealth. So there is a middle road. God wants you to enjoy what he's blessed you with, but he wants to use you to be a blessing and to advance his kingdom. And by the way, just for, just throw this in here. The more that you use for his kingdom, the more he's going to bless you with. Are y'all with me? All right. Now, now they were hoarding. They were acquiring their wealth illegally, wickedly, uh, and then C, watch what he says. What was A? We see the acquiring of their wealth. Then B, the, or what's the word we want to use? Hoarding. But then the accounting, the accounting that was going to take place. First of all, how many of y'all know, how many of y'all know there's coming a judgment? There's coming a judgment. There's a great white throne judgment for the lost and there's a judgment seat of Christ for the saved. If you're lost, you're going to stand at one. If you're saved, you're going to stand at the other, but either way you're going to stand. And we're going to, we're going to have an accounting. Every man will give account. Are y'all with me? Account. Now, now watch what he says. Watch what he says. Now, when you're, when you're in a courtroom, when you're in a courtroom, many times you have, you have the judge and you have the prosecutor and you have the defense attorney and then they will call, what will they do? They'll call witnesses, right? Now, James is saying here in this chapter that that if you are not a just steward, if you are a wicked steward, you're not using what God has blessed you with in a right way, then there are gonna be witnesses called against you. Witnesses called against you. Let's see what those witnesses are. Let's see what those witnesses are. Let's look. First of all, number one, there's going to be condemning witnesses. Condemning witnesses. All right. The first witness to step on, on, uh, well, we saw that. Step to the witness stand, witness box. The first witness will be Wasted wealth. Wasted wealth. Look what he says. Look what he says. Verse three. Your gold and silver is cankered and the rust of them, the rust of them, y'all with me? The waste, the rot shall be a against you. In other words, you're going to stand before God. You're going to stand before God. And all of the things that you allowed to waste because you were hoarding it up and you didn't use for his glory, you didn't use to further his kingdom and, and you didn't use in a proper way. Let's just put it that way. Didn't use it in a proper way according to what he wanted you to do. That waste is going to stand as a witness against you. That's what he's telling these men. God's going God's to line it up. Everything they had, everything they hoarded, everything that was, went to waste because they didn't use it and they didn't benefit and bless others. Imagine that. It's going to cry out. It's going to cry out as a witness. Now, watch this. What was the first witness? Come on now. A, we see wasted wealth. Look what else. Write this down withheld wages withheld wages will witness ye have heaped treasure together for the last days behold watch this now watch this the higher the wages that were withheld the higher of the laborers who have reaped down your fields which is kept back by fraud what's it do crieth crieth in other words it's going to be a witness against you 
God's going God's to take all them men, he's going to line them up, and he's going to line all them wages that they illegally kept back, and they're going to stand against them and witness to them, against them at their judgment. Mm. Withheld wages. But then, but then, write this down, weary workers, weary workers, look what it says. It says the, the, the wages are going to cry out. And then it says, and the cries of them which have what? Reaped are entered into the ears of the Lord of Sabaoth. In other words, all the cries, all the prayers, all the groans, all of the, 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 the suffering that these poverty stricken people who have been abused by these wealthy people who have kept back their wages is going to stand against them in the judgment. Now watch what, watch what James says about this. Watch what James says about this. First of all, he mentions the condemning witnesses. Second of all, he mentions the catastrophic conclusion, the catastrophic conclusion. Watch this. James 5, 1. Go to now ye rich men, weep and howl, weep and howl. This is literally shrieking. In other words, this is not just, uh-oh. This is a wailing. This is a, an in, intense, intense scream. Weep and howl for your what? Miseries that shall come upon you. Listen, just 10 years. Think about this. And there was a multitude, multitude of wealthy, wealthy Jewish people who defrauded their, their brothers. And, and, and here all in Jerusalem. And in less than 10 years, after James wrote this letter to warn them, Rome destroyed Jerusalem, raised it to the ground, and everything that was owned by them was gone. Gone. Now think about that. They were murdered. Listen, some, some, some scholars believed over a million people were murdered. And killed and slaughtered, stacked up by the Romans. They said the Romans went into Jerusalem when they finally breached the walls and, and were able to take, take Jerusalem. That they were so bloodthirsty and so crazed because of the fight that the Jews had put up. He said, your miseries are coming. Coming. Now, look at this. Luke 12, 16. Luke 12, 16 says, and he spake a parable unto them. This is Jesus speaking. The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself saying, what shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, this will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater. What's he doing? What's he doing? He's hoarding. I will pull down my barns and build greater. There will I bestow all of my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. It's the same thing they were doing in verse 5. He says, ye have lived in pleasure on the earth and been wanting. Or wanting. Ye have nourished your hearts as in the day of slaughter. You've just been living it up. That's what he's saying. Been living it up. He said, but God said unto him, thou fool this night thy soul shall be required of thee when whose shall those things be which thou hast provided so is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God in other words he's not used what God blessed him with to advance the kingdom to win the lost to care for the needy to support the ministers of the gospel one day there's coming an accounting he said, you're going to stand before, now watch this, verse four, 
the cry of the kept back wages, the, the cry of the wasted wealth, the withheld wages, the weary workers have entered into the ears. Now watch how he describes the Lord. The Lord of Sabaoth. Meaning the Lord of armies. The Lord of armies. It's a military term, a militant term. In other words, in other words, the Lord's coming. The Lord's coming and he's bringing his army with him. This is not good. This is not good. So we see the selfish. We see the selfish. What makes a rich man sinful when he's selfish? When he's selfish. When he uses it for selfish means to live in pleasure and wanting. When he doesn't use it to be a blessing. When he doesn't use it according to God's plan and will for his life. So we see the selfish. Then number two. We go from, we go from the oppressor to the oppressed. Alright, we go from the one, the rich who are oppressing the poor. And now he says in verse number seven, verse number seven, be patient. Therefore, now he's addressing the people that the rich have been oppressing. Does that make you understand? In other words, now he's talking to the ones who've had their wages withheld, who've been mistreated, who've been abused and who have been oppressed by these rich Lords over them in the farm and in, 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 in the fields. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. Now he talks to them. So we'll call them the suffering. All right. We, he addressed the selfish. Now he's going to address the suffering, the suffering. Now th- this, th- you may not have had your wages withheld, but I promise you this. If you've lived in this world, any amount of time at all, you have suffered. We're all going to suffer. We're all going to face hardship. We're all going to face difficulty. We're all going to face things that make us want to quit. Things that make us want to give up. Some more than others. Some more than others. But the truth of the matter is, it is just a evidence of us being in a broken world. A cursed world. A cursed world. You're not suffering because you're worse than any other person. You're suffering because we're in a cursed world. Yep. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. Now he's addressing them. He said, this is what I want you to know. And this is what I want you to, to, to remember. He says, be patient. Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husband waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth and hath long patience for it. until he received the early and the latter rain. Be ye also patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Grudge not one against another, brethren, lest ye be condemned. Behold, the judge standeth before the door. Take, my brethren, the prophets who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering, affliction, and of patience. Behold, we count them happy which endure. Ye have heard of the patience of Job, and have seen the Lord, the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. Here's what I want you to write down. Under suffering, I want you to write this. First, we see the exhortation. The exhortation, the preaching or the, the warning, if you want to use that word. The exhortation. What does he say? Look in verse number seven. <clears throat> Look at your word. Look at verse number seven. What's the first two words? Be Come on, everybody. Be say it again. Be How many of y'all know that's the worst two words in the, in the English dictionary? You don't believe it? Get behind somebody going slow in the fast lane. And somebody else going a half a mile an hour slower or faster than them in the right lane and won't let you by. I need a witness. Be patient. And then as you finally get around and you look down and they're looking down at their phone. That's road rage time right there, baby. I was in the, I was in the, I guess it's the co-op electric where you pay your electric bill or used to pay electric bill. I don't even think it let you in the building. Now you got to do it some other way. But anyway, where you uh, over there behind on Eva road over there, 
Is that co-op? Is that what it is? I went in there and I signed in on everything. They said, stay in that room right there and somebody will call your name. I went in there, sat in that room. I looked at the clock before I went in there. I'm guessing this is, I don't remember what it was, but it was, it was I remember what I remember. Uh, it was like 10 till. It was like 10 till, whatever it was supposed to be. And uh, I went and sat down, twiddled my thumbs, sitting there. It seemed like three days later. I'm just, I'm, 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 I'm mad. I'm ready to go. And I'm, I'm thinking, man, it must be. It, I've, I've been sitting here an hour. Go in there. I had literally sat there for four minutes. Four minutes. And I'm sitting here. What is wrong with me? Is anybody, anybody like that? Please tell me somebody's like that. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Mikhail. I'm so appreciative. You support your pastor. And when everybody else is lying, you're going to tell the truth. Be patient. Now, most of the time when people are suffering, that's the last thing they want to hear. It would be me. I'm like, be patient. Yeah. If I knew where that switch was, I'd flip it. You know, I mean, be patient. But I promise you, that is something that is something that is so important. It is so important when you're going through it. It is so important when you're facing difficulty. It, it, it's the, the more painful the issue is, the more patience that we're going to have to show. Amen. And, 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 let me, and I'll, I'll, I'll help you with this. I promise. Watch this. We must patiently endure hardships and heartaches until Jesus returns. James used two different words for patience. In James 5, 7 through 8 and verse 10... It was the word long-tempered. Say that with me. It was the word long-tempered. The words endure and patience in James 5.11 literally mean to remain under and speak of endurance under great stress. Now watch this. Patience means to stay put and stand fast when you'd like to run away. Many scholars, watch this now, watch this. Many scholars think that long-suffering refers to patience with respect to persons or people. While endurance refers to patience with respect to conditions or situations. So here's the way I look at this. He is saying, I want you to be patient with the people around you. And then I want you to be patient with the problems around you. Now, how many of y'all know if you're not dealing with the problems, you're dealing with the people. And sometimes people are the problem. Amen. And he's saying, I want you to, I want you to be patient. I want you to be patient. Now watch this. Then he says this. I want you to be careful. I want you to be careful. Watch this. Man, this stood out to me. If you don't get anything, if you don't get one blessed more thing out of this, don't miss this. Look what he says in verse number nine. Now watch what he's described. First, in the first part of this chapter, he's talking about rich people oppressing poor people. Now he's talking about the one suffering because of the treatment they've received from the other. Now watch what he says. He says in verse number nine, grudge not one against. Now that wouldn't be very hard with the rich folk. But when the poor person getting oppressed, getting abused, getting mistreated. You with me? Now watch what he says. Watch what he says. Living... Living with difficult circumstances can cause believers to become frustrated, to lose patience, and watch this, and get bitter. Get bitter. Especially against those who appear to be suffering less than they are or whom seem to be adding to their trouble. Grudge. Is the word is the Greek word stenazo, 
which means to groan within oneself. Watch this. It describes an attitude that is internal and unexpressed. It is a bitter, resentful spirit that manifests itself in one's relationship with others. Preacher, what are you saying? We don't always go through the same stuff at the same time. And we don't always go through the same stuff that others go through. Some goes through horrific tragedies. And some seem to just go through life without a care in the world. Not a problem. Everything seems to go right for them. Everything seems to go their way. Everything falls right into place. And sometimes, if we're not careful, when we're in the trial, when we're under the gun, when we're in that painful situation, it can be very easy to look at others and get bitter and get resentful. And I, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying this in a condemning way. I, I'm saying it like he's saying, be careful. I don't blame you. I, I've felt this myself. I felt times when, when, man, I tell you what, Seems like everything I try to do falls to pieces. And this guy over here, everything he touches, he's got the Midas touch. And, 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 and. But the problem is, is we'll get bitter. And bitterness on the inside is a poison. And the problem with bitterness is, 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 is the saying is this, bitterness is like drinking poison hoping the other person dies. Bitterness will eat you alive. And, and, and James is instructing those who are being oppressed, those who are suffering, those who are going through the trial. He's saying, be careful. I know you're under the gun. I know you're under stress. I know you're being oppressed. I know you're being abused. But he said, be careful. Be careful. Don't grudge. Don't get bitter. Don't allow what's happening on the outside to affect you on the inside. Now, thank God he didn't just say that and say, okay, have a good day. He gave them some support for this instruction. But we see his exhortation. Then we see his example. His example. He says three three things or three different individuals. Uh, He said, think about this. Think about the farmer. Right? Think about the farmer. Look what he says in verse, verse uh, seven, verse seven, be patient. Therefore, brethren, under the coming of the Lord, behold, in other words, look, the husbandman or the farmer waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth and hath long patience for it. It's precious fruit. It's his livelihood. It's his provision. It's his way of making a living. It's his life. It's precious. But he's got to wait on it. He waits and has long patience for it until he receives the early and the latter rain. Then he says this. He says, take my brethren the prophets. Verse 10. My, my brethren the prophets who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of what? Suffering, affliction, and of patience. Behold, we count them happy which endure. Then he says, you've heard of the patience of Job. And have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. here's Here's the examples. I sat in my office. And I was was really meditating on this. You know, the Bible says that Psalm 1... You know, meditate on, chew on it. And I was really trying to, okay, why did he use these specific ones? Why did he use these specific examples? And I really think, I really think God kind of spoke to me that there's going to be different areas in our life. First of all, that farmer. The farmer is waiting on the precious fruit because that fruit is his livelihood. That's his provision. That's his provision. And so what the Lord really spoke to me about is some of you guys are going through financial difficulty. Maybe 
Maybe your provision is being hindered. Maybe your provision, uh, you're having a struggle right now financially that where, where it's, it's just providing for your family is hard or providing for your livelihood is hard. God's saying, be patient. Be patient. Sometimes we go through hard times. Sometimes we go through financial struggles where it's just really, really hard. But be obedient and be a good steward. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Put God first in your life. And God promised this. He said, be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. And I know we use that verse for sin, but he's not using it for sin. The application is not sin. The application is giving. He said, if you will give, I'm going to give you way back more than what you gave me. You put one kernel of corn in the ground, you get a whole cob with with 200. Y'all with me? So listen, he uses the farmer. Then he uses the prophets. And man, I sat there and I mulled this over my head, my head, my head. Why the prophets? They were patient. What was the deal? And everything that come back, if you go to all the prophets in the Old Testament, man, they were abused. They were mistreated. They were killed, sawn in half, dropped in wells, not believed, ridiculed, talked bad about. But he says they were patient. And so this is what I put. I think I put this in your notes. Uh, the farmer has to do with your provision. The prophets have to do with what? People. 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 I seen a sign the other day. I almost bought it. it said the more I'm around people, the more I like my dog. <laughs> people can be rough. And what he's saying here, he's saying, be patient. They're talking about me, preacher. Be patient. They're not treating me right. Be patient. They didn't treat them prophets right either. They abused them and mistreated them. He's saying, when it comes to people, be patient. When it comes to your provision, your livelihood, your finance, be patient. But then he brought up Job. Man, there ain't a person on this planet that's ever went through the hell that Job went through. Having 10 funerals in one day, all of them your children. Being the richest man in the East and then becoming the poorest in one day. Lost everything he had in one day. All of his children in one day. On another day, said, touch his body. We know, the, we know the story. Satan, Satan touched him from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet with sore boils. They are very, very, very painful. And it didn't matter whether he stood, whether he sat, whether he laid down or stood on his head. He was in pain. Listen, God says, I want you to be patient with your pain, your problems, your problems, your people, your provision. Be patient. Then then write this down. This is taking longer than I anticipated. Encouragement. Now's the encouragement. It's going to be hard to be the farmer. It's going to be hard to be the prophet. It's going to be hard to be like Job. But here's the encouragement. There's an imminent return. He said in James 5, 7, Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Watch this. Be ye also patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord. What? He's coming, guys. I know this world is getting terrible and I know you're going through the troubles and I know you're, you're having some difficult, difficult days, yep. but keep your eye on the skies. Amen. 
He's coming. Amen. He's coming. He's right at the door. Hallelujah. Number two, we see the end result. The end result. So where do you find that? He says in verse, verse number 11, Behold, we count them happy which endure. Ye have heard of the patient of Job. Watch. And have seen the end of the Lord. In other words, when God got through with the situation, that the Lord is very pitiful and of a tender mercy. Now let me read Job 42 to let you know what happened with old Job. Remember, Job lost everything he had, right? Lost his health, lost his children, lost his finances. But when God was through, the Bible says in Job 42, 10, and the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. Whoop. It was in people again. Also, the Lord gave Job what? Say it again. The Lord gave Job Verse 12, so the Lord blessed the latter end of Job more than his beginning. He said, just think about Job. When you feel like quitting, think about Job. When you think about throwing in the towel, think about Job. When you think about giving up, just think about Job. Not the first chapter, the last chapter. And all God's people see it. Now let me give you these closing thoughts while we're in the red. <clears throat> uh, just, just, just write these words down. I'm not going to preach them. I'm just giving them to you because I'm, I'm, I'm late. I'm sorry. Number one, what do, we need to, what do we need to take from this? Number one, suffering is a part of life. 1 Peter 4, 12. Beloved, think it not strange. Think it not strange. Don't think this, this, what in the world's going on? This is normal. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice in as much as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. Now let let me help you guys out that's really suffering in here. Some of you hardly ain't suffering at all. Some of you are a little bit, and some of you are in just a as as it was in, in, recorded in God's word, a great trial of affliction. When it all is said and done, if you don't suffer much, not going to be much glory. If you suffer a lot for Christ, there's going to be a lot of glory. It says if we suffer with him, we shall reign with him. Amen. We shall reign with him. Church, say amen. amen. But suffering is a part of life. Now, why am I saying that? I'm not saying that flippantly. I'm saying that so you'll understand you're not going through what you're going through because you're a bad person. I don't want to, this, this is the point I'm trying to make. I'm not saying, hey, it's just life. I'm not, that's not what I'm saying. I'm, I'm not belittling anybody's suffering. What I'm trying to encourage you is that you're not going through what you're going through because you're a worse person or a worse Christian than somebody else. This person over here that's not going through suffering, they're not, they're, there must be a really good Christian. I'm going through a lot of suffering. I must be a bad. That has nothing to do with it. Job was the most righteous man on the planet. And yet he was going through the most suffering. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. Suffering is a part of life. Number two, if you are in it, you need it. Now, I will be the first to admit if somebody said that to me face to face, one on one, I'd slap them. <laughs> but I'm preaching the word. So you're going to have to take it up with him. 1 Peter 1, 6, wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season. What's the next three words? Say it again. Ye are in heaviness. That means bad, bad, bad suffering. He's talking to people that are being burned at the stake. He's talking to people that are being arrested and thrown to wild animals. He's talking to people that are being beaten and covered in tar and pitch and impaled with poles to light up Nero's garden. That's who he's talking. That's kind of suffering he's talking to. 
He said, and if need be, that the trial of your faith be much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Preacher, what are you saying? If I'm in it, then I must need it. God is, God is up to something. Yep. Number three, thank the Lord. Jesus is bigger than my problem. Amen. Jesus is bigger than my problem. Amen. John 16, These things have I spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation or sorrow, suffering, difficulty. In the world, you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. Jesus said, I have. Jesus is bigger than my problem. Say that with me. One more time. Then lastly, James 1, 2. We're talking about suffering. Suffering is a part of life. If we're in it, we need it. Jesus is bigger than my problem. Then number four, something, something is being accomplished. Something is being accomplished. He says in James 1, 2, My brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into divers temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith, the trouble you're in, the suffering you're experiencing, the pain you're dealing with, the trying of your faith worketh, worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying this. One day it's going to be all worth it. Everything we go through, everything we deal with, God is going to reward. There is going to be a judgment day. Now, two things we need to go home with. Be a good steward, and if you're going through it, Be patient. patient. Let's all stand.